Gospel according to John 14. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way of the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Good morning. Let us pray. Holy God, help us to, with great care, steward the resources you have given us, living stones, to build sanctuary for one another. In your name we pray. Amen. One of the things I'm really proud about us as a church is how we pray for each other in, their time, in our times of need. And this is very good. It means that we stay connected about how people are doing and if they have a medical need. Now, when I follow up with people and offer to pray, people will tell me how things are going. And I've noticed that people will share with me not only their health concern and whatever their diagnosis and their prognosis is, but they will often tell me that they are concerned about getting access to the medical care that they need. It'll be often a statement about, I'm waiting for approval, I'm recommended the certain medicine, I have to see if I qualify. You're probably familiar with that kind of a thing. And this can be a real problem if someone doesn't qualify, if they know that there's a certain treatment that could help them, but for whatever reason, they're concerned about being able to reach that treatment. Sometimes, as a result of this, 
and alongside of it, there's increasing awareness about traditional medicines, uh, herbal medicines. And in fact, we know that um, even scientists are going to remote places, speaking with indigenous groups about traditional herbs and plants to try to find treatments for things that ail people today. One of the challenges of this is that many indigenous groups are having a hard time existing, uh, continuing their way of life as um, rainforests, wild places become increasingly developed, traditional lifestyles become harder to maintain. And we know that this has been going on for quite some time. So I've been um, reading uh, a book lately that's been kind of popular. You might have heard about it. It's called Braiding Sweetgrass. And in this book, the author, her name is Robin Wall Kimmerer, uh, she is a scientist. She's a botanist. She studies plants, and she's also Native American. She's a citizen of the Potawatomi Nation uh, here in the United States. And she's one of these people that is taking science, doing hard scientific research, and also connecting back to her ancestors and the wisdom that they had and finding that there is medicinal value. There, there's resources within our own nature and environment uh, that can help people. And in her book, as she uh, is doing this research and, and seeking after it, one of the things that she struggles with is learning her indigenous language, um, the language of the Potawatomi Nation. And one of the things that she says about it is that there's so many verbs, verbs that you wouldn't think make any sense. There's verbs like the verb bay. You know, you think about a bay of water, and it's a verb to bay. And hill isn't just a noun, it's a verb, to hill. And Saturday is a verb, to Saturday. And she writes that this was really hard for her to understand. It's, it's not how we typically learn language and how we, we speak in a day-to-day -day manner. And finally, as she was really struggling to learn this language, she had a breakthrough when she realized that for, for her people, for her ancestors, all of these features of nature that we tend to think of as objects, they didn't look at that way. They saw as alive, like water was a living thing. Water then as a verb can river, or water can they, or water can rain. And the earth isn't seen as an inanimate object, but the earth can hill, or the earth can mountain, or the earth can, can flat or plain. And once she finally made that connection, she was able to internalize this language from her ancestors better because of their worldview. A worldview that sees creation not so much as an object, but as a subject. And as I was reading that, the very next thing that I read when I set down my book and I picked up 
the Bible lessons for this week was 1 Peter that said, Jesus is a living stone. That same kind of an idea. Jesus is a living stone. We also have our reading from Acts, and thank you, Ingrid, for reading the lessons this morning. In Acts, we have this very troubling story of Stephen getting stoned, um, like I mentioned to the children. And in that context, it's shocking. Like, how could you even mention that? And yet, here in our Bible, we have this story of Stephen, an early Christian, who, in fact, was stoned. And if we look at the story of Stephen, it's very interesting as to why this happened to him. If we read ahead of this, we see that Stephen was very vocal in witnessing his faith, but he did so in a very critical way. He was criticizing the religious leaders of the day of using religion to control people rather than to to free them and to care for them. And he kind of goes through the whole history of the Bible, uh, hammering over and over again all of the wrong that has been done in the name of religion. And this agitates the authorities so much as he does this that they have this um, persecution against him. It reminds me of the same kind of persecution that some indigenous tribes and peoples have experienced because of their world view. We know that within our own history, there has been this clash and oftentimes very shameful parts of our history resulted. Again, in this book, Braiding Sweetgrass, the author talks about Indian boarding schools. Indian boarding schools were used to take Native American children and to get them to stop speaking their language, to let go of their tradition and cultures, and to to change them. And as a result of that, many of this, this ancient wisdom, very useful wisdom about the value of nature and how it can help us as people, many of that wisdom has been lost. For thousands and thousands of years people have lived here and all over the world and after generation and generation have learned the tremendous value that God has put in creation and when that isn't appreciated when it's seen as a threat we lose we lose access to that wonderful sacred information not unlike what happened to Stephen because he was seen as a threat as well. But thankfully, this doesn't have to be the way that it is. We can learn from history and we can approach things differently. As Lutherans, we talk about being saved by grace through faith and not by works. You know, it's hard work to do the kind of destruction that was done to indigenous people. That's the kind of hard work that Luther criticized. That's not the kind of good work we want to be about. Luther said that we should focus instead on faith and having faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Faith in him 
as a living stone. So when we have faith in Jesus as a living stone, it means that we see the inherent dignity and value of all people, of all races, no matter where they come from on the face of the earth. We see in those ancient traditions and practices living stones that God's Spirit has been at work. And when we have faith in Jesus, who loved unconditionally, it translates into a care for creation as sacred. It translates into a care for all of the human race. This is what Peter was writing about in 1 Peter, that we don't use stones for destruction, for hurting and for judging, but we use stones to build up, to build sanctuary, to build places for one another, to live peaceably with one another all over the face of the earth. That's what faith is. Faith is active and in action and service-oriented. And thankfully, it's not something that we have to do alone, but we have God's grace to help us. And we hear about God's grace in our gospel reading this morning from John 14, where Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And where I go, I will bring you with me. Now, the wonderful thing about our gospel reading this morning is there's a couple levels of meaning. One level is that eternal promise of heaven. Jesus prepares a place for us in heaven for eternity so that we don't have to fear death. The other meaning of the gospel is that Jesus prepares a place for us here and now, in this life, so that when we face hardship, when it is difficult, when we struggle, when we face illness, when we ha have people that we know and love who are really struggling, this promise that Jesus prepares a place for us here and now, so that all of the days of our lives, we can have a peace that passes all understanding. Last week at Sunday school, we were studying this text, preparing for this Sunday, and Diane had shared a story about her own father and mother who often used this verse as a source of strength to realize that no matter what hardship they went through as a family, they had this promise from Jesus that he prepares a place for us, a place of goodness and peace, a place where we can live well together. This is God's grace that each and every one of us is made in God's image and God creates a place for us. Amen. I invite you to stand as you're able for our, to sing our hymn of the day. <clears throat>